Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg ad-free and right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. This is the Ion Travel Podcast with CBS News Travel Editor Peter Greenberg. Hi everybody, Peter Greenberg here and welcome to another edition of the Ion Travel Podcast. I'll sit down with some legendary hoteliers and entrepreneurs to discuss the current state of the travel industry, starting with Chris Birch, who started in fashion. Does the name Tori Birch, his ex-wife, ring a bell? Then he branched out to hotels in Miami and way out in Malaysia. Then Matthew Upchurch, CEO of Virtuoso, the Luxury Travel Advisor Consortium, on some new and some not-so-new metrics in valuing the travel experience. And then... Alan Firstman stops by. He's the founder, chairman, and CEO of Montage Hotels, with some of his new definitions of old luxury, as well as a few of his pet peeves with hotels. First up, Chris Birch. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY 
at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Chris Birch, welcome. Thanks, Peter. Great to be here. I mean, when we talk about luxury travel, you've seen it all. You've seen it from, from the development stage. You've seen it from the design phase. You've seen it from the sales phase. You've seen it from the implementation phase. In the post-pandemic world, what's changed? I think now it's about emotion. I think it's now about travel. It's about experiences. It really is really about just laying your soul out there for the customers to see. When I say that, I mean the buildings, the the architecture, the design. It used to be in luxury travel that we were just interested in the little details, which are so critically important. Today, it's what's going on. Is there is do you swim with the horses? So we've gone you, from designer soaps in the bathroom to experience experiences, and it's experience at every level. The food, uh, the wine, uh, it, it's just fun. Are you dealing with a more educated traveler? Well, I think our traveler today is more educated. We love that. Um, they are, uh, that means they're also more demanding. They're very demanding. But they're also, when you, we, we operate a hotel called Nihi in, in, um, in uh, Indonesia. That's with my friend James McBride. Yeah, he's one of the best. You know? I, I knew James when he was at the Ritz-Carlton. Now he just sends me emails that make me jealous because he's sending photos along with him. Well, you know, when, when James came to us, he was like, what happened to me? I went to the end of the earth to build a hotel. And um, just like you are in the fire world, which we know how exciting and, 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 and everyone loves that world of how you give, we'd like to give back. And I would say in the luxury hotel world, you've got to have a give back. It's got to be trio. It's got to be authentic. And you've got to have great experiences. One of the things I noticed during the pandemic, actually, I didn't even notice it. During the I've been noticing it now because I realized things have changed is people made a decision that, you know what, the, the, uh, the pandemic brought them a little bit closer to their own sense of mortality. And they said, you know what, I'm taking the bucket list, I'm burning it, number one. Number two, I'm not going to be that enamored of luxury goods. I'm not going to necessarily buy a new car this year or maybe buy a, an expensive electronic item, but I am going to buy experiences. And so when the, when the doors opened up and countries opened up, they came racing out with no price sensitivity whatsoever, saying, I don't care what it costs, I'm going there. Yeah, but it's important, though, that you don't take advantage of that, right? And I think that's luxury. I think luxury is not to raise the prices through the moon just because you had a couple of tough months. I think luxury is giving your customer more than they ever expected. Okay, so the challenge is, since you've opened that door, is where's the, where's the point of no return? Because the the attempt is when the accountants run the asylum to say okay we're going to recoup all the losses and charge chris uh or the or the airlines are going to raise fares to make up for a bad quarter so where do you where do you come to that stabilizing factor well i think if you can get the people to work with you the staff and the employees and everything to give them a little more love and, and really make sure that their experience is terrific and with authenticity and i think if you charge them in certain areas where they realize they feel like they have to do it i think you can you can balance this stuff really well but i think we as an organization all of our team like we're james who's amazing is we just don't go as high as we possibly can. We play the long game. And I think the long game keeps you busy in the slow times of, uh, of the world. Because people will trust it. They really trust it, yeah. Although everywhere I go now, and I'm, okay, I'll, I'll make you the exception, but everywhere I go, I've seen hotels getting higher rates than they've ever gotten before. Airline fares are about a historic high, right? Cruise lines are going to get there. But those two first segments, right, hotels and airlines, I mean, it costs more money to fly from New York to Chicago than it used to fly, cost to go from New York to Beirut. I know it's shocking. 
but it's it's the people want the experiences they want the memories i mean if you really look at what's happened in life since the pandemic we all sat at home and we were like i wish i had i wish i had i wish i had and i think what happened was we said look i don't need another gucci handbag you know i'm in the fashion apparel business i, I, was, I found that surprising coming from you i was fortunate you. fortunate to create tory birch with my ex-wife a great person and i have a lot of fashion brands and we're still selling like a numerous amount but you know a little bit of those dollars now are transferring over where that customer is coming in and saying i want the experience of a lifetime Wow, I never thought I'd hear you say the handbag deal. I know. But that's what's happening though. Right. Right? Yep. So, okay, so I'm knocking at your door. I'm saying, okay, Chris, I want a different experience. What are you going to be, in the post-pandemic world, how do you define that? Um, I, I, think the, in the, I think it's really, really important in the luxury sector that we give them a lot more than they had before. I think we, you just got to give them better staffing, better people working really hard around the people. You got to give them horses swimming in the water where you've got to create new experiences and you've got to go to places and locations where they've never been before. And that's kind of what we do. That doesn't mean that there's not great hotels around the world that are more cookie cutter. But what we want is that person to experience, feel, touch, and emote what's going on. And be consistent and be consistent with the neighborhood and, and the community. A hundred percent. Most important. I've, I've said, really, Peter, one thing we do in, in Nihi is we have the Sumba Foundation, and that foundation is amazing. And the whole key to it is is that we give back to the community. And what's most important is our guests give back to that community, and they give back very large. And where in the world do you think you could have a hotel where your, your guests that come there and pay 2000 a night, 1500 a night are giving back? And, and happy to do it. They love it. Let's go back to staffing, because in the, in the real world of, of the hospitality business, I think one of the, the problems that the hospitality business had is they didn't do a very good job of letting their staff know that what they were doing was a profession and not just a job. And when the, when the pandemic hit, a lot of people then, it was a reset for them. Okay, I'm going to reevaluate my life. I'm going to reevaluate where I live. I'm going to reevaluate what kind of work I do. And you saw a mass exodus. Well, I think you've seen that in every area of yeah. business. Every single one of my companies now is having trouble. And I think now it's where what, what, what I like to say is first comes the customer, right? So first comes that traveler. Second comes your staff. You got to make them part of the solution. You got to make them feel good about what they're doing. You got to you got to you got to make them feel positive all the time. You can't beat them up. And I think now it's more of a collaboration with people than it was before. But you also have to help them redefine it as not a job but a profession. Yeah, it's a profession, that's for sure. And I mean, if you and I were going to dinner tonight in Italy at a restaurant, that waiter, chances are his father did it before him. It's a job he loves. He, he's proud of being that waiter. He does it better than anybody else. You go to New York, I'll take you to dinner in New York. It's an out-of-work actress waiting for a phone call. 100%. And, and the restaurants that do it well and have those professional waiters like Joe Stone Crab in Miami. You go, you walk in there. Those guys have been around a long time. Yes, but let me tell you something. Those guys have summer homes in Saint-Tropez. Yes, they do. <laughs> because, because they're well compensated. Very well compensated. Oh, my God. I remember the original maitre d' there. He's since passed away. I mean, this guy literally, I think, had summer homes all over the world because people wanted to have that relationship with him. They wanted to have that conversation with him, and they tipped him lavishly to get those tables. But the point is, 
the longevity of the wait staff there is 20 and 30 years. So what do you think is going to happen, Peter? I'd love your opinion. What do you think is going to happen? We're in a new world where it's getting really difficult to get people to um, come to work. We're in a world where people say, look, I don't want to put my shoes on. I heard a great podcast on American Life about that. They're just saying, I'm, I'm tired. What, it, what have you found as you go out there? Well, what I found is not particularly pleasing. Uh, I think you're going to see, it's not just about consolidation in the business, not just airlines and hotels and cruise lines. We're going to see a consolidation in the segment in the segmentation of the business. Meaning, low end budget will do great, high end will do great. The middle has nowhere to go. And I mean, I'm not going to single out any particular brand, but I'll use it as an example. I mean, you talk about emotional connection. How many people, honestly? And please understand, I'm not dumping on one hotel brand. I'm just using it as an example. But how many people wake up in the morning excited about staying at a Sheridan? I think it's hard. It is. And, and, and so and if you're running a Sheridan, your challenge is to how to make that emotional connection happen when the hotel hasn't been defined that way. And I think, I think there's a, I think you're going to, look, it, if I was in the middle market, I think I'd be concerned because you're gonna, it's going to be very hard. We know that the points was the major way people would go, and they would get excited. I remember going down to, I think, I don't know if it was Puerto Rico or someplace, and all the people were on Marriott points, and they had saved up all their points, and they went on their Marriott vacation. They went to a gorgeous place, and they really enjoyed it, and it was great, and they looked forward to that for the whole year. Is that going to continue if the staff is not there to do it? I don't think so. Luxury travel right now seems almost endless, but can it be sustained? I don't think so. Um, I think luxury travel will always be sustained, but will it be sustained at this price point? I don't think so. I think we're going to need a resetting. And I think, Peter, uh, during the break, we had a great conversation where you said to me, you know, we have a lot of debt out there, and we have this the pandemic. Lots of people got lots of money, and they're going to spend it down. And at some point, they're not going to have that capital. So I think us in the luxury business, we've got to keep working harder and harder to find ways to make a profit without, without raising without, rates and without, without hurting and, the customer. And without hurting the brand. You never hurt the brand. But you never seen, hurt the but brand. But you've seen examples where the brand gets redefined. It goes from a five-star to a four-star because the accountants run the asylum. And next thing you know, they lose their, their, their core audience. I agree. So where do you see things happening now? Because there's no doubt about the fact that travel is one of the largest industries in the world. It's one out of every 10 jobs. Before the pandemic, it was one out of every five new jobs. That's how strong it was. But first, you got to get your staff back. Second of all, it's not a question of getting the customers back. It's giving them something that they, they understand from a definitional point of view that they want to come back to. Well, I think, look, I, I can tell you because of fashion, we're able to attract great people in fashion. And that's an industry that you stand on your feet all day. If you have a great brand and you create new brands, so a good example is I think the next new brands are going to be ones with not as many people but have the experiences and are good looking and are all rebuilt. So where can you offer a $500 experience instead of a $3,000 experience? How do you build that more reasonably? So I see the whole marketplace going where we're going to have to find ways in which we do a better job when we build it. How do we take care of it? How do we get materials that are both sustainable? How do we have our guests give back to our to our charities? And then how do we get our employees to feel part of this bigger mission? And I certainly know when you have 200 hotels, it's very hard for anyone to think about a bigger mission. It's a lot easier if you have one, two, 10, or 20 hotels. Exactly. So scaling it is not the answer. Not the answer. 
although we live in a world of scaling. I know. I know. I mean, I, w- I was at a meeting one day with a lot of hoteliers, and I went up on stage and I said, okay, how many brands does Marriott have? Does anybody know? One person raised their hand. I said, how many? He said, 32. I said, great. Can you name them? And he said, yes. I said, and who do you work for? <laughs> Marriott. Okay, so can you name them? He did. And then I said, okay, we're not done yet. Can you define them? And he couldn't. Because it is, they just, they're oversaturating the market in many cases where you're going to have a different brand on every corner saying, oh, we'll So try- what do we do? What about it? To make us problem, Peter, what's your points? What do you think about the fact that we have millions and millions and trillions of points standing out there and all of us want to use them and we don't know what to do with them? Well, I can tell you from personal experience, I don't know what to do with them. I have, I have 23 million miles, okay? Isn't that exciting? I can frame them. I can photograph them. But if I want to go somewhere tomorrow, every plane is full, and the basic model that the airlines are following doesn't want to displace a revenue passenger to reward me for my what? My loyalty. What's the point of a loyalty program that doesn't reward you for your loyalty? That's why they started. Now they're the biggest cash cows the airlines have. The airlines make more money from their frequent flyer programs than they make as operating airlines. Yeah, it's incredible. And, and, there, and there's no end to it. Do you know how many unredeemed frequent flyer miles there are in the world right now that have been earned but unable to be redeemed? 23 trillion. You're not going to the showcase showdown. I'm sorry. It's 34 trillion. Not bad. You, yeah, not, most people say billions. Yeah, not bad. But think of that number. Get your arms around that number and tell me if there's an end in game, if there's an end in sight. And they're carrying them on their balance sheet. They're carrying them on their balance sheet, but they're so valuable to them because they know when they give you the miles that the redemption level is only 8%. Mafia loan sharks don't get this rate of return. Right, so it's it's the best game ever played because they also control the redemption under deregulation. There's no government oversight to say, "All right, Mr. Burt, you have a frequent stay program. Well, start paying these people back." They don't have to. So you tell me the answer. I it's very simple. I think the the uh, and I would say to American Express, Visa, MasterCard, all the companies, give the people a good way to get great product at a great price other than just travel miles. So we're not because back to SNH, not, we're not back to SNH green stamps then. Yeah, let's go back to the old way. Let's go back to the old way. Let's some, buy some TV with like, you know, a million points or half a million points. Let's, I let's, remember. Let's you, do you that and I, so I don't <laughs> want the travel. I know, me too. You and I are old enough to remember I was sitting in my mom's kitchen licking stamps into the right. SNH green stamp book so we could get a, a toaster. Exactly. Let's go back to the toaster. <laughs> you want, we'll talk about that. Let's go back to the, you know what? That's the new model. Let's go back to the toaster. You know why? Because people can actually, it's tangible. People can hold it. They can toast it. As opposed to saying how many miles that you have that you can't redeem. What changes have you made in your hotel as a direct result of these changes in traveler behavior that are going are gonna to sustain you? We're in a very um, unique situation that our labor cost is not one of our biggest issues. I think the changes we made is how can we give more back to, to our customers when they come? And how do we make sure our staff is emotionally involved with our customer? And so as we open up new hotels around the world and as we look at new hotels, I want to make that experience extraordinarily unique and differently. So for me, it's really about getting the people that work for us to get involved with the customers. And that's important, I think. My thanks to Chris. Now, if you want to know where travel or the travel industry is going, or perhaps more appropriately, where it's not going, just check in with Matthew Upchurch, the CEO of Virtuoso. 
And I did just that. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Matthew, welcome back. Thanks for having me again, Peter. Now, it's one thing to say you're having a summit to talk about global travel, but you can't have a summit without talking about global travel simply because it's one of the largest industries in the world and and it continues to be that. And the thing that surprised me, and tell me if it surprised you, I admit here on the air that I was wrong. I went on the air last uh, August and said, you know what, when Labor Day rolls around, Kids go back to school, uh, the demand will drop off, fares will stabilize, you know, things will become more affordable. Boy, was I wrong. It didn't drop off. It stayed just as strong because people had changed the way they approached work, about the, the way they approached seasonality, and all the algorithms that the airlines, and, and the airlines were sort of wrong too, they didn't expect it, and all the algorithms that the airlines were using to either project demand or set prices, they had to be like thrown out because... This is, you know, they usually measure things year over year. There wasn't any year over year to measure it against because it was bra- it was a brave new world, right? You're absolutely right. And, you know, it's interesting when you say that because one of the things I've, been, I've talked a lot about is that disruptions accelerate trends. Um, and we actually saw this. We saw family travel, for example, just went crazy after 9-11. Um, the financial crisis, every single disruption has actually, in my opinion, added even more value to, okay, time together, time with family, you know, taking care of yourself, doing something. So I think that, you know, with the pandemic being the mother of all disruptions, you know, I was saying nothing motivates human behavior like having something taken away from you that you took for granted. And we know that there were a lot of fundamental trends below the surface that were the fundamentals that made travel uh, hit its peak in 2019. We have never had, because of the longevity revolution on the baby boomer side, which means that we're about to see the largest growth of 80-year-olds in the history of the planet. In fact, you gave me a quote one day, which I'm going to remind everybody of, mm-hmm. and you said that 80% of all the people who've ever turned 80 are alive today. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, that's that's staggering. Yeah. No, and, and so, and what's amazing is, and then you've now got the Gen Z, you know, the, 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 the Gen Zers and all that. So we have never in the history of the planet have had six generations all traveling at the same time in the numbers they're traveling. Because on the younger side, they have represented and they have been the ones that actually have prioritized experiences over goods, right? So one, you have the longevity revolution. On the other hand, the, 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 the prioritization of experiences. You have the rise, the res, uh, rise of the rest of the world, right? In other words, the, the rest of the world. Um, and then you... you, you take something away and it's like a big giant slingshot. 
And that's what we're seeing right now. That's exactly what we're seeing. And, and, and I think you made a really good point about we're all amazed. Those of us that have been in this for all this, you really made a really good point about seasonality and all this kind of, I mean, it's, it's, it's out the window. And it's, that one is, I do think, is also uh, around the idea that I, can, I actually can work from anywhere, right? And people are taking kids out of school and doing this and doing that and working. So it's, it's, it's super interesting to see. When I was a kid, my parents came up with an idea, which I always thanked them for, uh, when, then there was seasonality, which was they would never travel over Christmas. They would never travel over Thanksgiving. They would never, right? And what they would do is they'd go to my teachers and get them to give me an extra credit assignment and then take me out of school for the week after Thanksgiving or take me out of school for the week after New Year's where there were no crowds and we could actually see a place and experience it. And I loved it because I did an extra credit assignment and we cut a deal. Now you don't have to worry about seasonality. Everybody's doing an extra credit assignment. Right. I mean, well, you know what? You've never told me that. You know that explains a lot. <laughs> uh, you know, kudos to your parents, by the way. Listen, what, what a brilliant, what a brilliant idea. Listen, I've been doing an extra credit assignment my entire well, life. Yeah. yeah, but but no, but but seriously, it's it's how you avoid the crowds. Yes. It's how you see a place the way it's yeah. meant to be seen at a time when you. And have, by the way, it's also the best possible education you could ever get. Yeah, and that's what we did. Uh, then, of course, I had to do the extra credit assignment. <laughs> that's another story. Uh, but moving on to just changing behavior of yeah. travelers. Um, I go back to 2019 when everything was wonderful and, and nothing could get in the way and then something got in the way. But what got in the way, and I saw this happening, I predicted it, what, what it would happen. I went on the air and talked about it last October. Everybody thought I was crazy. I wasn't. This is where I was right. The pandemic confronted people with their own mortality. 100%. And it made them change their bucket list. It made them change their approach to travel. It made them change their approach to their lifestyle, not just their location or where they were going to work or, or how they were going to work, but what they were going to do with their money. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people decided at that point, and they may have, may have not have even made a conscious decision, but the decision was made nonetheless. I'm not going to buy a new car. I'm not going to buy new clothes or jewelry. I'm not going to buy expensive electronic items. I'm going to buy experience. Yeah. And, and they came out of the gate roaring right and well you know there, there's actually a very there's 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 I, there's actually a very simple explanation of why i think this has happened um we are social animals i mean the only reason our species exists is because we're social animals so and then you know you know wanderlust the, the desire to explore whatever it's in our dna it's it's you know hunter gatherers and everything else i mean it is literally in our dna so um the other thing i think is also added to this is Conscious or not conscious, you know how they say that, that travel opens your mind, you know, et cetera. Well, there actually is scientific evidence because the way the brain conserves energy is looking for patterns, right? And so when you're in your same routine over and over again, your brain, you know, it's just, it's pattern. So whenever you go somewhere and there's different smells, different things, whatever, it literally opens the lens and you literally absorb more. If you're prepared for it. If you're prepared for it. I know. And, and, and the other thing that was manifested in this decision that people made was when they stopped buying material things, guess what happened? In October, FedEx is closing 90 of their stores. They're parking planes. When was the last time you heard of FedEx parking planes before the Christmas holiday season? Amazon lays off 18,000 people. And we looked at the Christmas retail sales in January for December. They were stagnant. Yeah. Right. So, but the money is still. Yeah, flowing. And during the pandemic, right? We all thought, "Oh my gosh, look at all these stuff, whatever." It's never going to turn around. And what's hot? I mean, get in a restaurant, go travel, go wherever you need to go. I mean, again, we're social animals. And you know, I think I know a little bit about airline schedules. 
I have trouble getting on planes mm -hmm. because they're all full. Mm -hmm. And I'm not just talking about getting in the first class section. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get on the plane. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And the airlines are adding more seats, which makes it, you know, it's, it, if the airlines add any more seats, I know where the American Association of Orthopedic Surgeons can have their next convention on the plane. <laughs> you like that one? Uh, yeah. Okay, good. But the bottom, it's a little crooked. Uh, huh? <laughs> well, it's a little crooked, right? Yeah, Orthopedics. Yeah. I, I got yeah, it. Sorry. Yeah. But the point is, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the world. Now, the real question that I have to ask you, which I'm asking everybody here at the summit, yeah. is when you look at these numbers, mm -hmm. How long can they be sustained? That is the biggest question of all. And I don't know. I mean, there, there's, uh, coming out of the pandemic, I said, we have a minimum of a year, and my prediction at the time was about four years that we're going to see this kind of like, you could a negative term would be bubble because they're bursts, but you're going to see this kind of cushion, right? Um, uh, that was both savings, prioritization, Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I don't know. I think I, yeah, I do think I do know this though. Uh, I'm actually making a big statement about it. Um, those people that where there's a disconnect between the value, the price, and the service um, maintaining, there's going to be that. You're oh, it's see coming. That, that's coming, right? Because and it's going to have a negative impact on those that that kind of took advantage. Um, but right now, what am, I'm here to speak about the value of human connection. But before and we get to that, let's go yeah. back to what you just said about this coming disconnect. Because yeah. if you've got a, you a five-star hotel that doesn't have housekeeping anymore, yeah. you've got a problem. Well, by the way, that's just, that just, just uh, I mean, I call it, that, that's just ridiculous. Uh, anybody who's using the pandemic excuse for not having housekeeping, whatever, be straight about what it is, right? Um, that, that's just not... Not the case. And by the way, how could it possibly be the case where there are those people, you know, we, we don't ever select hotels in Virtuoso by brand. Like, we don't accept all of one brand. Uh, we literally select them hotel by hotel. Based on those criteria, on, right. On, on the things that we know about them, et cetera. But you're, you're right. And there's going to be, a, that's where there's going to be a disconnect. And the thing is, at a certain point, people will vote with their wallets. 100%. They always do. Yeah, they haven't lately. They, they've come out and say, whatever cost them going, right? Mm -hmm. It's more important. To me, I just got to get on that plane. I got to stay at that mm -hmm. hotel. Just bill me. Done, right? Mm -hmm. But then they get there, and all of a sudden, housekeeping only comes in once every four days. Mm -hmm. That does register. Yeah. And I'm just using housekeeping. There are many yeah. other yeah, yeah. aspects to yeah. it as well. Yeah. We, found a, 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 a we found a Motel 6 in Santa Barbara that was getting $436 a night, and they were filling the hotel. That's that's leaving a lot of lights on for me. I mean, my God. Well, but, I mean, it's it's supply and demand, as we know. All right, but at a certain point, common sense prevails, and people are going to wake up and say, "Did I get value for this? Where's the value proposition? I wanted to go. I didn't want to be denied. I was cooped up. I had to get out there. I needed that. I needed that. Right? right? People don't travel because they want to travel. They travel because they need to travel. I get that part. Right? Travel isn't what you do. It's who you are. So that part about I get. But at a certain point where they're charging resort fees or they're, or they're not providing housekeeping or they're, they're nickel and diming everybody at a certain point at the, at the, at the upscale level, there's going to be disconnect. Yeah. And you know, actually I was really thinking about this. Um, you know, I always got these great conversations again. I don't know what percentage of these prices were, are, are kind of a reset, like a permanent reset. Um, but I do think, you know, I, I love Warren Buffett because when people say, you know, why well, use a travel advisor, I can get this cheaper. I've always said Warren Buffett has the best answer of all. Price is what you pay, value is what you get. 
So I think what's going to happen is that there's going to be a bifurcation. There's going to be a polarization between those people that are really delivering value and those that are just, you know, getting prices like, well, why not? You know, right. you know, um, make hay while the sunshine, I guess they're saying, but there will be a price to pay. But it's interesting. There is one other thing. You, when you were saying that, though, there is one thing that I've talked about uh, that's coming out of the pandemic. We also, this is the largest service industry in the world, one of the largest industries in the world, as you and I know with our work with WTTC. I mean, at the peak, we were at 365 million people uh, around the world, directly and indirectly employed. I do think there was, there, there is a, a bit of a reset on the labor. We need to make this a higher paying profession. profession. We've done that with travel advisors and travel agents. Um, and I'm actually talking about, uh, in, my, in my talk about, there was an, uh, a GM uh, uh, back in October of 2021 who said, you know, I've got an owner in my hotel that will drop 10 million, you know, 10 million on a cigar bar, but our salary bands are shocking. And I do think that the, the days of just like, well, I'm just going to get away with really low you know, really low um, wages and things like that. The the more enlightened ones are that, but I mean, it's not just wages. It's also, it's also those travel organizations that are sustainable, not just in financially, but what are they doing for my community? What are they doing for the environment? What are they doing to be responsible citizens? Um, and so I think you're going to see that happening. And, and so I think, it, it, and it's not just luxury. I think it's going to be, Companies that are led by organizations that truly engage their 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 employees in being co-creators of something of value that delivers value and, and isn't just price, which means that for a lot of hotels uh, or a lot of not just hotels, a lot of airlines, hotels, cruise lines, you can't just r- rely upon the, va- the 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 name recognition of the brand. You have to be able to justify. You can't justify your rates if you don't deliver the service. Yeah, and, and and again, that's what, and unfortunately, sometimes things are judged by the lowest common denominator. So, but, you know, that's also one of the reasons why we, we've always believed that, you know, and you and I have talked about this, about, you know, we spend a huge amount of time um, building personal relationships and having conversations um, because I truly believe that um, when you have those relationships, they actually change and improve the way our travelers travel. Exactly. But right now, we're watching the accountants take over the asylum during the pandemic. They're still there. So, you know, we have a kiosk mentality. Uh, Anytime I see a hotel putting more kiosks in the lobby, I don't want to stay there. I mean, I I want the option of conversation. You know, but but to be fair, you and I, we've talked about this before and I agree. But I will say that one of the things that we're doing is, um, you know, it depends. Uh, maybe not the kiosk, but on my phone. It depends on what kind of service I'm going to get and what the, and the and the the level of that particular property. I mean, if it's supposed to be a property where um, I'm there for the totality of the experience, I believe that human beings enhance that if they're properly trained and they really believe in the mission of of that of, the, of, of that particular property or whatever the whatever the partner is, whatever the the travel provider is. But nothing is actually, I'd rather deal with a kiosk to deal with a frontline person that's working at a company that they're not really happy with. Okay, I get <laughs> that. Yeah, you know, I mean, so there, there's, there, there's that. But then so there's, think, an, there's, there's an underlying strength that drives travel. Yeah. 
and we don't often recognize it, but it's the emotional connection 100%. of that travel experience. And if you, uh, you have that emotional connection in so many times because of the conversation, mm-hmm. right? It makes you want to go back yeah, because you've established that relationship. Well, and that's how we, and that is emotion. I mean, emotion really, that's the only thing that generates emotion is, is, is people to people. But again, I think that there's so many different levels of, 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 of products. What I, what we're also talking about is, is that how, how can the investment, you know, there, there's two fundamental ways of, of applying technology. One is to try to get as rid as many human beings as possible. And we're seeing that. But the other is to utilize technology to amplify, to allow you to invest and allow the human beings in your organization, your people, to actually spend more time doing things that are human. My thanks to Matthew. Alan Firstman has a long history in the hotel business, and it allowed him to create, from the ground up, Montage Hotels. But he doesn't just wear the CEO hat. He has a few issues as a guest, and he'd like to share those with you and perhaps the rest of the industry. Mr. Alan Firstman, how are you, sir? Great, Peter. So great to be with you. I mean, you and I go back, I believe, to the opening of the Bellagio. I think even before that, when I was running the Phoenician Resort in Scottsdale, Arizona. Oh, my goodness. With Keating, uh, post Keating, post Keating, and you were there. I was there post Keating in uh, in the mid in the mid nineties before I opened Bellagio. Okay, for those people who aren't old enough to remember this, uh, this is the old days of the uh, Lincoln Savings and Loan and the great disaster and the and the, the Savings and Loan debacle. And at one point, the Phoenician and many other hotels were actually being managed and owned by the federal government. The RTC, yeah. The Resolution Trust Corporation. Exactly. And what do they know about hotels? Nothing. <laughs> no. When the RTC sold it. Uh, IT shirt, ITT shirt, and purchased it, and be, created the luxury collection of which I became president of the Phoenician and a group of luxury hotels that I oversaw. And by the way, d- despite Keating's uh, problems, which put him in jail, uh, it was a great hotel. Built an amazing resort. Yeah, yeah. it still is. It is, and and when I ran it in the in the mid '90s, it was arguably the top resort in North America. Unreal. So now, here you are at Montage, and, and I have to say, I've, I've stayed at almost every one of your hotels. Uh, not necessarily by design, it just happened to be that way. Uh, and some of your hotels that I've stayed at, I mean, the Montage in Los Cabos, unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the location of that hotel on that beach, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's, it's um, perhaps one, one of the only swimmable beaches, and the rap on Cabo had been can't swim. A, little, a little too rough, but we, ha- we, we sit on Santa Maria Bay, so we have a fully swimmable beach, which, which makes it just a great destination for individual travelers as well as families. Let's talk about the world of hospitality in the post-pandemic world, because we're seeing hotels now that, and by the way, I was wrong about this. I thought that when last September rolled around and kids would go back to school, that the you know, demand would drop and the rates would stabilize. That did not happen, right? The demand stayed just as strong. I think you'd admit you're getting hotel rates now that you haven't had in decades. And, and you're not alone. It's the industry itself yeah. is having that, especially above a certain price point. Yeah. The real question is, who's coming? How are they paying for it? And can they sustain it? Yes, Yes, and um, look, the affluent the affluent consumer is is traveling and looking for great experiences, and 
providing great experiences and a differentiated product as we try to do um, is is really been incredibly appealing for 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 the guests and we see um, the repeat nature of our business stronger than ever and we see um, just the the evolution or continuation of uh, longer term stays multi-generational travel they're combining they're doing i hate to use the word bleisure but they are right they're combining business with with extra days well you don't have to be in the office Uh, one of the outcomes of the pandemic was you could be effective working anywhere and so yes, not a good time to be in commercial office real estate. Well, I think what you're seeing in the commercial office space is what was five days a week or four and a half days a week is shrinks down a little bit. And to extend another day of vacation or another day of you know, working from location. And, uh, and we've we seen see instances where CEOs are saying to their employees, all right, everybody comes back to work or you lose your job. And these guys will say, see ya. Well, yeah, there's obviously there's been some of that, but. The reality is you need both. You, you, need, you, need, you need the connectivity of an office environment to grow a culture of a company. And, 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 I, and I to have fully, conversations. It, oh, exactly. And, and, and think of young workers starting out. Um, so much of the mentorship happens in, in a personal Around the office schooler. Exactly. So I think it's important. I think some of that's been missing. But for an experienced company or experienced people within a company to, to be working on location, um, sporadically or a few days a week it becomes less of a challenge and at the hotels we become beneficiaries of that where you can combine the getaway with some some office productivity so in a way i'm 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 thinking sort of the psychographics of this people are no longer looking at hotels as a place to get away but they're also looking to it as maybe a second home well, we, we've seen quite a bit of that. All the Montage Hotels have a residential component to it. Uh, combining the resort lifestyle with, uh, with the residence is, is, for many, the ultimate. We, we, we really uh, can enjoy the lifestyle while you're not working in a, in a way that uh, living in a, in a straight residential building can't provide. And somebody makes the bed. Absolutely. If you can keep the housekeepers. If you keep the housekeepers, which, which of course we all, and on the luxury side of the world. Exactly. That, that, hasn't, that hasn't changed. We know people are spending more time away from home. They're spending more time in your hotels. And they're not necessarily price sensitive. They're spending whatever it costs, right? But are their demands changing? Are their expectations changing? Are they saying, okay, if I'm going to stay there, this is what I want. I'm not just talking about your hotels in the industry in, you know, in general. I, th- I think in general, the luxury consumer is looking for a sense of discovery. I think they're looking for a real sense of place. If you think back luxury hotels 20, 25 years ago, there was a cookie-cutter approach. You might see the same hotel in Hawaii that you would see in Boston, the same interior design, for example. I don't think that's acceptable anymore. I think the, the sense and spirit of place is an important component. A hotel has to have its own personality. Absolutely. Now, what can translate is a style of service. So, so when I created montage it was to get rid of the pretentiousness that was that that was a part of old world luxury and try and integrate a much more gracious and humble approach to luxury and that's what we tried to do but but from a design point of view i no two of your hotels are alike no they they have to catch capture an essence of this of the place where where, you know pay homage to the locales and then of course there's what every hotelier wants is the emotional connection with your guests yeah, ultimately that was that is what defines the experience of the hotel. And when when someone asks about a montage 
experience. It's not about the physical. It's not the bricks and mortar. It's not the, the great designs. I mean, they're, they're, they're amazing. But what they remember, what they talk to me about is how they connected with our associates, how they were made to feel, the personalization of the service, the, the sincerity of the service, the, the real passion in which our associates deliver service. I got to ask you a design question. Sure. And I, I want you to take off your CEO hat, put on your guest hat for a second. Okay. What's the one thing you hate the most about hotels? From As a, a guest. From, from a design perspective? Yeah. Lighting that's inappropriate. Thank you. Okay, you win. That's it for me. Hotel designers, I'm convinced, have never stayed in a hotel because they trap you with mood lighting. You don't change your lifestyle when you change your location. You want to be able to read in your room. You want to be able to think in your room. And if you want the lights to go down, you want that as your option. Yeah, and, and look, lighting's evolved. Yeah. In the last you know, five to ten years, more than ever with the LED, with the with the onset of LED and the old ways of setting lighting have changed and when you design hotels now lighting can be art and when we look at our Pendry in New York for example we, we had an incredible uh, lighting designer that 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 oversaw that project and as you enjoy the building you you the moods that are being set how you're made to feel is 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 very much driven by the 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 Incredible lighting throughout the, the hotel. That's a lot in the public spaces, but in the guest rooms. And the guest room has to be easy to use. Thank you. How about uh, on and off? Does that work? <laughs> it's very frustrating yeah. when you cannot find out, find the light switches to turn off in, in, in a hotel room. You're in bed and you're trying to figure out, oh my gosh, I couldn't get that one off. And it, it, it can I be once frustrating. asked Bill Marriott a question. I said, look, you're the CEO of Marriott. I'm assuming you're staying in suites all the time. And he said, absolutely not. I said, what, you don't stay in suites? I said, no. I said, why? He says, too many light switches to turn off. That was his answer. And you know what? It made sense. Yeah, it's, it's what happens. Technology in general is something that, that I had a way of looking at it in that if my mother couldn't figure out how to use it, we're not ready to be the exclusive way we do it. Now, the best example was we got these great um, iPad-type devices to put the room service menus on. And one of our hotels, we'd put them on that and got rid of the paper menus. And, you know, only maybe 75% could use it. What about the other 25% that aren't comfortable with the technology? So the easy solution is you have both available until that becomes the norm and where everybody... But you had to keep, learn that. We had to learn that. And, I, and, and we learned it the hard way. Um, so, but the, what the other we look thing at, is, if I'm checking into a hotel room and it takes me 55 minutes to program the remote, something's oh. wrong. Exactly. It's got to be intuitive and easy to use. And so, so we just, it's just attention to detail. It's nothing more than that. And if we stay focused on that, we can provide uh, an easy experience for our guests. Okay, I'll give you one more. I judge a hotel by the bathroom, by the guest bathroom, because you spend more waking hours in that room yeah. than any other room in the hotel. And if the bathroom works, the rest of the hotel is going to work, <laughs> right? So people who design hotel bathrooms don't understand lighting either, number right. one. Number two, they don't understand space. And I know I'm being gender specific here, but I'll address my wife. There are search and rescue teams trying to figure out what she packs that she needs to put on the kitchen, on the, on the bathroom sink, right. right? And then last but not least is who gave them this idea? I think it was a very cruel uh, tort lawyer who told them that you have to put marble floors in the bathroom. Yeah. So look, slip coefficient, for obvious reasons, you, you need to have the right surfacing. Right. So, so it's safe for all our guests. Your point about... Um, the, the vanity, the countertop, yeah. um, 
Sometimes there's space constraint, but when that happens, add a shelf component right. of it. That that makes it possible. But we we build model rooms for every hotel we design, and then do we, you sleep? Do you sleep in them? We don't actually we don't necessarily always have running water in them, but yeah. but but we spend a lot of time going through every inch of the room and we make the modifications as if you're living in it and it makes all the difference in the world that's where we catch not enough space on the vanity that's where we catch um so, some of the some of the comforts that need to be there water pressure in the shower is important i mean how many, oh my god every once in a while one of my biggest pet peeves yeah, yeah. yeah my thanks to alan to matthew upchurch to chris birch And my thanks to you for listening to this Ion Travel podcast. For more conversations with the world's leaders in travel, as well as answers to your travel questions, be sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. And for all the breaking travel news, by now I think you know what to do. Just log on to petergreenberg.com. The Ion Travel podcast is produced by Amanda Morris and Anthony Protis-Chung. For more content from Peter Greenberg and the Ion Travel team, visit petergreenberg.com. Ion Travel is a production of CBS News Radio. If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com/survey. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. Catch every episode of 60 Minutes, America's most watched news magazine show, as a podcast. Hear in-depth investigations across politics, news, and entertainment on your schedule. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus.